Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Thank you all for coming here tonight. There's no better place to be in L.A. than in this bookstore. And it is such an honor to be here with Will Eisner, Comic Book Hall of Fame member, Jaime Hernandez. Yay! His new book, Is This How You See Me, was published by the wonderful Fantagraphics and is, of course, for sale here. And I think this is my phone. Sorry. <laughs> For more than 30 years, mm, might be my voice. Maybe I can just turn it. It's my phone that's getting in the way. Sorry. Um, for um, more than 30 years, readers of Love and Rockets have followed the lives of Jaime's beloved queer Chicano characters, especially the lives of Maggie and Hopi, one of the literary world's great relationships. In this book, we see the cast reassembling in Huerta for a reunion. All the emotions of seeing old friends and foes, lovers and unrequited lovers. By the end of the first page, I felt like I was seeing old friends I hadn't seen in years. Granted, this is a collection of previously published um, comics, but it's the first time it's all been together as one story arc. And let's first just talk about that story okay. arc and how you came up with this concept. Um, I just thought it would be fun for Maggie and Hopi to go back to their punk days and relive uh, stuff, you know. Uh, once in a while, I go see <clears throat> my younger brother's band play, you know, and I try and I try to remember what it was like and stuff like that. Um, and um, I just thought it would be cool to see what what how they would react to this uh, to being like old ladies, you know, going back to their punk roots and stuff and. Uh, and seeing what would happen. And I found out that a lot of the characters didn't react like I expected them to, you know. Who surprised you the most? I guess mostly Hopi. Um, and so just, just give, could you just give us a, a thumbnail of who our two main characters are and okay. what their relationship is? And I, I don't want to give any spoilers away in case okay. you haven't read it. If you've never read Love and Rockets, you can pick up this book tonight and jump right in and feel like you're with old friends. And if you're old fans of the comic, forgive the repetition. Okay, so you got Maggie and Hopi, two uh, punk Latinas um, from the city of uh, Huerta, California, which is basically Oxnard. Um, which is where you're from. Where I'm from, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, just they're, they were punk rockers in the early 80s, you know, late 70s. And uh, and what's their relationship to each other? Um, and, I mean, this is many decades of a relationship that right. we're putting into, like, seven seconds. Yes, so. on, on and off again lovers, but mo just lifelong friends, you know, um, that met in the punk days and kind of saved each other's lives, you know. Um, and uh, them, the story is about them getting together, and Hopi was the real fireball. She was the one always getting into trouble at the gigs and stuff like that, and uh, Maggie was always trying to take care of her. Um, and uh, Hopi uh, 
and now uh, they come back to this and hope he's the one that doesn't want to go back, you know, which kind of surprised me as, as she started to write herself. And uh, um, it was kind of like uh, she did this flip-flop and, uh, and uh, didn't, kind of didn't want to go back or, or just was afraid to go back or whatever. So that, I thought that was interesting. So I was exploring how that was going to work. And Maggie was the one who wanted things to be like the old days. You know, we're going to go and have fun and stuff like that. And it doesn't work out that way. Um, which I, which at first it was kind of a struggle to write because I was going, all right, what are these characters doing? They're kind of messing things up here. You the, had a different plan for them. Yeah, yeah. The story was going to be at first about them, about them going to this punk reunion, but kind of like just hanging out in the back and 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 being like old people and and heckling and yeah, and just kind of like like oh god, look at all those people slamming, ugh, you know, and stuff. And then they were just going to go home. That's what the story was originally. And they were just going to go home back to their lives. Um, but them being the character, especially Maggie, they write themselves so well that the story just started going this way. And I was just kind of trying to catch up. And it just started to build bigger and bigger. And it got more complex about with their relationship of how, how Hopi all of a sudden was like, you know, fuck this, I don't, I don't want to do this. This is, you know, I've got too many bad memories. I've got a new life. I'm raising a five-year-old son, you know, and this and that. And Maggie's like, but, but the old days, remember the old days? And, and so that and so, just kind of made the story just go further and for longer and longer. And um, there's, there's a, a line on page 38, um, Daffy, right? Mm -hmm. Daffy says, um, <clears throat> maybe they weren't as much for you guys, but my punk days were the most vital days of my life. If my daughter gets one tiny percentage of what I got out of it, I'll be a very happy mom. I, I have to tell you um, that I, I got such <laughs> joy out of reading that line, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a fine line, the back in the day nostalgia, to, to have it be both really comforting and kind of sad, but in a good way. Um, but nostalgia is like saffron. A little bit goes a long way, and it can quickly weigh down a story. How do you balance the use of nostalgia in this story when they are going back, you know, for a reunion? Right. Um, I try to be five or ten different people looking at it, you know. Some Each of the characters. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I, or, or just different five, ten different points of view mm -hmm. about nostalgia, about going back, like, this is going to be great. Well, this isn't going to be great. Well, maybe part of it will be great. Well, I, you know, I really liked this, but, you know, I'm done now. You know, it's, it's fine, but I'm done. I got other things to do. Or like, oh, my God, I thought I would hate this, but this is just so wonderful reliving this stuff. You know, so I'm, I'm just all that, and I put it all into the different characters. And the chemistry of the group is still really exciting on the page when you look at it and you get to see these characters age and some of you know they still have their characteristics of who they are and 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 
And it's really nice to get to see women's bodies age on the page in a way that's gentle and kind. So thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, but your book has all these um, details that, that really create um, a fully three-dimensional world for the reader. For example, The Reunion is, of course, a show with a bunch of bands playing, one of which is Ape Sex, who arguably wrote the town's punk anthem. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Tell us about that song. Who wrote it, what it's about, and why it's the word that punk um, anthem. I don't know. I guess I just wanted the, I just wanted the, the scene to have their, their main their main thing that everyone revolved around like and it was this one song that they took pride in their little small town punk scene um and what was it about that song oh it's just uh i just picked it because uh years and years ago i mentioned that the apex did a song called in bed with the lights on um and is there anything i mean why is that the town song oh i just because no no reason no just just that that it was like their anthem, so they can all yeah, pump their fists. Yeah, that's how punk anthem should be, meaningless. <laughs> What's Something your punk like anthem? God, there's too many. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, well, um, Teenage Kicks. <laughs> <laughs> this book, um, you know, these characters have evolved over years, and this is a steady discipline of writing and thinking and crafting images. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your practice as a writer and an artist? How do you stay so disciplined? Uh, one, because I have to pay the rent, you know. Um, um, I don't know, I just got this mission to do this, to keep doing this till I can't anymore, and to do and to do it for over 40 years. I'm almost there. Um, I don't know, uh, just, it's just, these characters just keep me going. They, they keep writing this stuff for me. They, um, and it just gives me, I don't know, it's my purpose for getting up in the morning kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Can we talk about some of the work? We have this image here. And I was wondering if you could talk about both the first top left this uh, picture of the mm-hmm. house, and then the portraits of the women, and, and, and this page, and just talk a little bit about your style and what went into this. Oh, well, that's just like, that's a house from Oxnard, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Maggie, at this point, Maggie is, is back in Hoppers to, for the reunion, so she goes to visit her boyfriend Ray's mom, and she goes to visit her at Ray's old house, and. Uh, you know, and they watch uh, Celtics on PBS, you know, uh, the Celtic singers. Celtic Thunder, I think that's what it's called. Um, and Maggie's there just kind of hanging out with her. You know, I just, I don't know. The, just a quiet moment, quiet bef- the quiet before the storm. I don't know. Um, just humanity, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's a nice pause, you know, amidst all of the action that happens. It was... It was it's a nice moment. It didn't have to be in there, and yet it, it really did serve this purpose, though, as a moment of quiet. Yeah. yeah. We didn't need to see them watching TV. <laughs> and yet it ge- these kinds of moments let us see them as real people or full lives, unexpected things happen. Sure. No spoilers, but please tell us that we get to see their relationship play out for a few more decades. Sure. <laughs> 
I'm not done. Great. <laughs> I thought I was done with my uh, last book, um, Love Bunglers, because that was just like a big, big climax. And then I thought, all right, Maggie's story's done. And no. then this came up. So. Let them grow old. That would be the most <laughs> punk rock thing ever is to live. <laughs> um, are there any questions from the audience? Ding. Um, I use a, I use a nib, you know, like dip pen, ink, uh, just the, like the speedball, super black, uh, as long as it's waterproof and, you know, a Bristol board. I use uh, two ply. Uh, I like the smooth finish because, uh, so my hand will glide. I don't do the glove thing, you know, um, and because I'm using a nib, I need the, the finer, the slicker surface so it could glide and not dig in and spray all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've always done it this way and I, I'm comfortable and I've found no reason to change. Um, it's, uh, you know, people moving to computer, I, I barely know how to turn one on. You know. What about <laughs> film and TV? No doubt people have tried to snatch this up. What's that? Film and television. Um, yeah, they have. Yeah. And I believe them for a couple of weeks, and then, and then I go, nah, I got to get back to work. I got my comic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah, um, I don't know. I just wanted like a a layout, a simple layout where the where you look, where you didn't have to notice the frames. You notice what's inside the frames more. Um, um, sometimes I go for this uh, eight panel grid, the four tiers, like this page, because uh, my characters talk in real time, and I don't have that much space. And so when, if you notice when they're talking for a long time, the panels get smaller, mm. you know, and they become talking heads. I don't like drawing talking heads, but, but uh, I, I have to, because that's the pacing of the, their conversation, the storytelling sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's a real uh, curse when they're trapped in a in a tiny room talking and they're not leaving and i have to keep drawing that one little room that ugh, kills me kills me every time uh together i usually have an idea and then it it kind of gels as i'm going along i um I do, I've never been able to write a story from front to end and then draw it. Uh, part, partly because I can't, I don't know how to work that way. And second, if I wrote a story 
from front to back, I wouldn't want to draw it because it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I work very, uh, like, organically and out of order. Um, I draw stuff on page one and then I move to page three, you know, because um, I, because that leaves room for, like, for, like, new ideas to come as I'm doing it because, uh, I want to have as much fun as the reader. I don't, I get really bored if I know exactly what's going to happen for the next eight pages. You know, it's like, God, I have to draw this, I have to draw that. Uh, you know, I like to surprise my, keep surprising myself as I'm doing it. So, because, uh, uh, yeah, I don't want to get bored. You know, and I, I want to have as much fun as you guys. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I guess it's a bit of all that, but most mostly is I'm letting them grow by themselves, because um, they're growing with me. You know, um, I wake up in the morning and I say I'm 59 years old. What are they doing right now? You know, how old are they right now? You know, and I try to think that way. And how, how old are they right now? They're in their 50s now. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say exactly because I try to do it in real time. But this whole story um, happens in two nights. And it took me, what, three years to draw. So time gets goes faster than me. And so I always have to either jump them up, age five more years to catch up, or I just say, well, guys, you're trapped in 2010, <laughs> you know, for a while, you know, and, and I can't help that, you know. That's why I don't, I, I really avoid doing, uh, showing real life stuff, like, say, Trump or something, because I don't know if Trump's around at this time. I'm not sure what years these are right here. Um, so... So I usually avoid real life uh, thing events happening uh, as much as I can, because uh, the. But, uh, but their real lives do evolve and. Sure, sure. Well, it's a, it's a juggling act, you know. Mm -hmm. I try to I try to make you believe that I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, and I've learned how to do that. <laughs> Anybody else? In the back.
For those who didn't hear the question was what keeps Maggie coming back to Ray? Uh, I don't know. She likes him. I, um, um, I think there's something stable about Ray that's not in Hopi. Oh, I mean, for her, because Hopi is very stable now in her life, but it's a separate life than Maggie. Um, uh, I think she's just trying to get normal, you know, have a normal life, and Ray is just like smooth. He's just like this this easy life, and of course she gets antsy. She in this story, she wants Hopi, man. Ooh, not to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, so yeah, um, I don't know. You know, I don't think about that stuff a lot. I just know that when they end up together, it makes sense, you know, and like, and like, you know, the big Hopi fans were like, well, I wish it, uh, it should have been Hopi. And I go, well, maybe it will be one day. You know, it, it's never over. Um, and uh, I don't know myself, you know, it's just whatever whatever works and I try to make it like, well, this is kind of real life if this doesn't work out for this character or whatever, you know. Do your characters ever disappoint you? Are you ever like, oh, you're um, I I had a I had a really tough time doing uh, Old Hopi with this story. I didn't like her at all at first. And I was like, but I like Hopi, what's going on? You know, why Why do I not like this? So it was kind of like I was just relearning. To, I was just getting to know her again. And I was trying to figure out what it was because I don't, even if I like to make this stuff as real as possible, I still want you to follow these characters. And so I don't want a character that's completely impossible that you just go, why is he even writing this character? Because I agree, you know, like, why would I even be writing this character if this person has no value to this to this thing? But, but over decades of being with these characters, like any relationship with a person uh, in your life, like people do things that disappoint you, and yes. then you move on with a relationship, and you, you know. Or you uh, don't, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess that does actually, you know, and I guess that, that's one of the things I think that's really refreshing about this is that, you know, we get to see people age, and there are consequences. Yeah, yeah, and but another thing about this book is um, a lot. Most of the characters I want to live to see the next day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I want this person to be able to come back one day. So it, I don't, I don't take them so far that uh, it's impossible for them to come back or for me to come back to them. You know, so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I really oh, like the character Izzy. Well, are we going to see more of her in the future? Maybe your own Mag? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love doing Izzy. She, in fact, she's very easy to write. You know, um, uh, if I I like all the characters. If you don't see them for like 10 years, it's only because they don't have a story for me. You know, and I hate to say it, but a lot, but I, I treat the comic like, okay, who's got a story for me because I don't have time to wait for for you guys to to have a story because I've got a comic to do. You know, so so like Daffy 
uh, Izzy, uh, people like that were out of the picture for a long time just because they didn't have a story. And uh, I liked doing them. I was really, really happy that, it, that Daffy finally had her, her, her voice in this, uh, in this book. I was really happy she, had it, she played a big role and uh, because she never did, and I finally found it. You know, um, Izzy will have her story again. I just, you know, it's always in the back of my head, like, okay, what's she doing? Okay, in this story, she's back in Hoppers. Why'd she come back? And where'd she go? You know, and that stuff just swims in my head for like five or ten years while I'm doing the other stuff. Um, so far, she hasn't gelled. <laughs> you know, I will. It will though one day. Like I said, her her stuff is very fun to write. Yeah. What? You mean? Oh, oh, you mean like regrets of of decisions? Yeah, I've I've um I have a few regrets, none I can think of right now, but but I found out through accidents and mistakes that I have a really good talent of making mistakes seem like they're on purpose. <laughs> I I wrote some of my best stories because of accidents. Like, okay, here's a quick example. In, uh, in uh, Love Bunglers, the story Brown Town uh, was written because I screwed up on a fact, a historical fact back, some ways back, and it took me forever to, f to figure it out. Um, I basically s said, ma created a family of Maggie and Fi and having a, f a family of five. And then I went back to a really early issue and it says she was a family of six. And I went, oh shit. Um, so so I, I just had this idea in my head. So quickly I said, okay, the sixth sibling, uh, he was a troublemaker and he had to run away from home early because he got a girl pregnant or something. You know, and I just put that in, little information. And then I was like, okay, so who is this character? I didn't know, you know, and in the back of my head, it was going, and in that same story, they talked about Maggie moving away for three years, and from when she was 10 to 13, and those are big years for someone growing up. And I go, okay, so what happened to Maggie, uh, this and that? And so I turned this, mistake into like, okay, this, she's got this brother. Okay, he's a troubled brother. And so I wrote the story, Brown Town, that I'm very proud of, that seems like this great graphic, short <laughs> graphic novel, yet it was because I screwed up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about regrets because I, I, I can always kind of make it look like it was on purpose. Where I was at, and this is how the story came 
Yeah, um, but also, yeah, I, sometimes I am cringy because I look at the old work and go like, ooh, ooh I, I guess I'm a better writer now, <laughs> you know. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, well, that that happened, and uh, let let's hope let's hope we can move on and it works out in the long run or something, you know. Well, yeah, um, I, both, it's all, and it's always been both. Like right now I have a cast of characters that are very young, they're just teenagers now. Uh, but I find myself trying to write these teenagers and they talk like the dead-end kids, you know, from the 30s, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh my God, kids don't talk like that anymore, you know, but it's kind of like, Oh, well, I'll try, give it a try, you know, what the hell, you know. Um, so I, I don't know, uh, you know, I was, I'm lucky I have a, uh, a daughter who was a teenager recently, and so I got to see how she went through school and stuff like that. So that helped a little. Has she started reading Love and Rockets? She's read some of it. And does she offer feedback? No. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard writing young kids. If I want to be, if I want to write for young kids, mm -hmm. so I don't write for young kids. I write for anybody who can handle it. Um, yeah, if they talk like the dead end kids, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I would prefer you didn't worry about what the rest of the world thinks that's not you, you know? Because um, I, I did my comics because it was me, and I trusted the audience that the audience could handle it, and I was happy to find out that they could. I was writing for adults. I was writing for people who could who wouldn't freak out if the vision cried, you know, you know, so, you know, something like that, you know. Um, someone who could say like, well, this isn't really the world I come from, but I can kind of, I can relate to, I can understand what this is. You know, I mean, isn't that what, that's with everybody. And uh, so I wouldn't worry about what they think, you know, bring them to you, don't, don't, uh, don't go to them because you'll be unhappy because it won't be you, <laughs> you know.
Oh, thank you. Um, I've also often wondered, uh, as a straight man, assuming you're straight because you are married, um, how do you understand the female psyche to, mm -hmm. to develop right about women? Like you consult your wife, but how do you... I... I... Don't know. I just do. <laughs> you know, I uh, I just try. I try my best. And uh, very early on, uh, I had women approach me saying they liked what I did, and I went, "Oh, good. I'm on the right track." You know. Um, you know, they always say like, "Well, just write a human being and then put a woman in it." But but then someone would kn knock me down and go, "No, no, no, no. There's something more to this." And I'm like, oh, good, <laughs> good, uh, because I, I'm trying, uh, you know. And uh, I don't know, or or maybe I just have a connection or, or something. I've I've always had a lot of women friends, you know. Uh, I was I was raised uh, by a single mom for many years, you know. Um, maybe you know. Uh, I I like drawing women. That could be it too, you know. It's 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 just all that, you know. And I I don't know, but I do. I do it, you know. And I don't I don't worry about it because I know them, the characters, so well. And how women yeah. relate to each other. I think that's the thing that always stuns me. Is like he gets these like crazy dynamics that it's. I don't know. Maybe I'm a good observer or something. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that's always the hardest question to ask. I mean to answer. It it's just like I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've tried to go at this angle, tried to go at that angle, and it's like, no, I just do and and I like doing it. That's that's uh the ma the main the most important part is I like writing women and I don't know why. I just do. Yeah, yeah, I'm almost cracking up at my own stuff. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like, um, I should do this more because I because lately they've just been kind of there. But you know, you can tell Maggie's just, I don't know, I can tell, I don't know. But through this whole thing, Maggie's being totally polite. She doesn't care about Celtic thunder, <laughs> you know. But she's doing it because Ray's mom is like totally into it, you know. She's like zeroed in. So Maggie's not going to ruin that for her, you know. And you can just see that on her face. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You know. Got back there? First him, and then here. Um, I don't know if you've been reading my comics lately, but I have all that stuff in it. You know, just not with Maggie. 
you know, Maggie has uh, entered a part of my world that doesn't allow that anymore, you know, unless it's some kind of dream thing, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, I have side uh, stories where I draw just nothing but goofy sci-fi and fantasy because it's, I need a release from uh, people talking in a room for <laughs> five pages, <laughs> you know. I need to flex my muscles, so I do, I do still do that, just not in Maggie's world. Um, I'm doing that too, you know. I'm, I'm, um, but, but you know, I cry at Dodger games. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, just, <laughs> you know, so, so I'm just very emotional that way. And and so, if my characters are doing something like, like, oh, this is gonna be so good, I'm just like a little giddy kid, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. And then I'm like getting all choked up, and you know, yeah, I'm going through that too. Yeah, we we leave each other alone. We, um, um, I'm a fan of his, you know. Um, I get to see his stories when the comics printed, you know. Um, uh, no, but we don't collaborate. We just kind of uh, let each other do our thing. And if 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 something coincidentally happens, it's just coincidence, you know. It's not like a big plan or anything. Um, a lot of my stuff, like you're saying, like in the beginning was all over the place was because I was learning. I was learning how to be a storyteller. I, uh, um, and it took me a while to be comfortable with that, you know. Um, luckily, it seemed like it was all planned because I had Maggie and Hopi going through the motions and I was creating character, you know, with them. And so... So, and in reality, it was like, I like these two characters, but I don't know what they should do. Okay, they're going to the store, and stuff like that. Well, it, were, it looked like it was on purpose, <laughs> you know. Well, it seems like they're getting, it seems like they're growing up, you know what I mean? Like, in kind of 
in sure. parallel with your development as a writer too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And who knows how what it'll be like in ten years? I could be dead. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. Um, go here first. You? Yeah. Um, when you write, is it like you plan out the story? Because I've known people that do that, or you do it in stream of conscious, like consciousness, like when I do it, it's just, I just have to do it in one big motion, and it actually works out. And I'm not saying either one is wrong or right, right. but which one do you go? Do you just sometimes like you just kind of stew on it for a while, and you just write in this big thing, or you just kind of go like, okay, let me just plan out or something. Yeah, uh, both, both. Uh, whatever helps my idea get across the easiest. You know, sometimes I'll have a, an idea, but I have to get from point A to point B, and there's this emptiness in between. That's when I will just do stream of consciousness and figure out like, okay, the, the blah, blah, um, this'll happen, and this doesn't have to be so serious, but it, it does end up where I want it, where I want to be. And then sometimes I will write uh, several pages of uh, stuff, but by the time it gets to the paper, I'm editing. I'm editing all the time. And uh, so, so I've looked at old notes and go, oh yeah, this is what this story was about originally, but it became t something totally different because just the way, like I said, usually the characters will just take it somewhere that I didn't expect. <laughs> uh, we'll go to you and then you. Yeah, um, with the book Marvel Season, what influenced you to write something outside of your other characters? Because my, my children and I love that book and one that they could write. And it really influenced them in, in writing yeah. their graphics. That, that was my brother's book. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. But, but he was writing about us yeah, as kids. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he wanted to do a book about being what it's like to be a kid where the only thing you worry about is the next day. You know, that's those days when you just got up in the morning and see see what was happening and he, he just borrowed a lot from our childhood. I'm in there a lot disguised as different kids, you know. Our other brothers are in there, you know. Yeah, um, just he just wanted to show his childhood, you know, in a way. Love and Rockets. I, I, I uh, it's my baby. You know, it's it's something that's so personal to me that, and that's part of the reason it's not a TV show. You know, it's just so I'm so uh, guarded with it, um, and uh, you know, you know, the New Yorker is for the the relatives who want to be proud of you because they don't know what the hell Love and Rockets is. You know. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and I think about it and they're like, yeah, but you were in the New Yorker. And I go, I was in the New Yorker because I did Love and Rockets. I did, I was in, I did a, an album cover for somebody because of, I did Love and Rockets. It all comes from this baby of mine, you know, um, all those opportunities, you know. So, of course, Love and Rockets, my, mm -hmm. <laughs> little baby. 
<laughs> How do you nurture that baby? As somebody who has been at it with these stories for decades, and you know, you, you we, we talked at the beginning about your discipline. Um, you were telling me that you write three books a year, three comic books a year, um, year after year after year. Um, I'm a journalist. I have a news deadline. Like we have to make air. This, I mean, yeah, you have you you have deadlines, but. The story can sprawl. Like, how do you stay on task with something that um, is so deep and creative? Uh, I try to keep a deadline. You know, uh, I don't always hit it. You know, I don't think I've ever really hit it <laughs> in all the years. But I but mean, some, uh, some of your fellow Fantagraphics uh, graphic. Uh, novelists, uh, you know, put out a book every couple <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like Fanographics values this quality, and I think they allow their authors the time to make mm -hmm. good work. You know, I don't know what the pressures are really yeah. like. Right. Um, I imagine it's a tough business, but how, how, how do you stay creatively inspired to keep at this story for so long? Uh, just uh, it's worth it. I don't know. You know, um, Gilbert and I are old school. We came from the mainstream. We grew up with the mainstream in the 60s and 70s. And you had uh, comics that, you know, there was one issue, and then the new issue came out, and then the next one, and the next one. And so it just seemed natural for Love and Rockets to just keep going. And like, we finished one, we would do another, no matter how long it took. But in those strips, they don't age. Yeah, uh, this is totally different. Well, this yeah, is yeah. like, you know, you can look at Charlie Brown. I think you've said you were influenced by, by Charles Schultz. And, you know, they don't age. Yeah. This is, you're really with these people as their lives go on. And do you get bored? I mean, you know, no. Do, do I get bored? Yeah. Do you want to, like, I, I want to, you know, write uh, some totally different world. Oh, no. I mean, you, I guess you were saying yeah. you have these sort of creative... I mean, is that how you do it, is you have these kind of fantasy pages stuck in there where you're like, I'm going to freak out over here, and then back to the... Yeah, yeah, but you know. but my my Maggie Hopi world is so big that if I get bored with one character, I've got five others to work with. They're like the Kevin Feige of fanographics. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of created this world where it's kind of easy to not be bored. If I'm bored, it's like shame on you because you've got all this stuff to rely on. And, you know, and it's worked for me. You know, I don't know. It just, it's just something that I don't know how to stop, and I'm glad. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Any other questions? I got a good answer, by the way. Go ahead. Um, just being a kid who wanted to draw comics his whole life and when it was time to be a responsible adult and get a job, I wanted to draw comics. And I was really hoping that I could, but I didn't know if I could. And it kind of fell in our lap that we go, well, let's just fuck it, screw it, and just do our own. And, and we... In one sense, we were very cocky and knew what we wanted. We wanted to do comics our way, not Marvel's way. 
And on the other hand, we were very naive. We didn't know if we could do it or not, you know. I was kind of like, well, I want to do a comic. I don't know if I can or not, you know, but I'm going to do it. And so it was just like, uh, I don't know, it was that DIY thing before it had a name or, or something, you know. Um, you know, I didn't know that we weren't supposed to do Love and Rockets. You know, we were supposed to move to New York and draw Spider-Man. Um, and, but nobody could tell us that we couldn't do this, you know, and, and I'm glad, <laughs> you know, and, and it was kind of like, well, the whole world around you is saying, no, you can't do this. And I'm like, it's back to what you were saying. It's just, no, I'm doing this, man. Look, look, these stories are better than yours, you know, and I mean, yeah, very cocky and stuff, but it was kind of like, like, Look, everything I'm reading sucks. I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to do it myself. If I'm if I don't like what's out there, I'm going to do it myself. And that's it was basically that. Simply, simply that. Um, you know, if something sucks, if you're bored, well, it's your turn, man. <laughs> you know. So. Well, um, so that we have time for you to sign some books. Okay. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for all coming out here tonight. And thank you. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.